Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coman, sitting in my safe house, on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times, and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, what's going on with you, man? Not too much, man. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm uh, busy. Uh, and, That's good. Uh, I'm fine, and uh, I'm troubled, and... Uh, Okay. Yeah, it is what check. it is, you know. I, you know, I, I checked sure. all the boxes, you know. Right. And uh, right. I, uh, I, uh, I realize that um, you know, being quarantined at home, you know, I, I go to work and then I come back. I don't really go anywhere else, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I realize that a lot of people are the same way. You know, they, they, they're, they're, they're like me. They, they, I, I don't want to go out. I, I really don't want to go out. I, I never really do want to go out. But this past, just yesterday, uh, I was on the way home from work. And I guess because the weather was uh, so nice that people decided to just go out mm-hmm. and ignore all city policies. I could not believe the amount of people in mid-city and in the bayou, uh, just hanging out in packs. I mean, 20, 30 people, none of them wearing masks or anything like that. So, yeah, uh, it, uh, it, uh, it's, it's cause for uh, a caution. I mean, I, I, I was looking at these people, yes. going, you know, and there's babies and there's dogs, mm-hmm. and there's people. And you know, dogs can spread Old this people? virus. Yeah. We've talked about this. Dogs can spread this virus. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure that, that that's exactly been proven, but uh, who knows at this point? There's so much unknown about it. Right. But um, it's crazy going nuts. Uh, uh, and people are so, uh, I guess, bored that, uh, did you hear a few days ago, uh, I, I saw all these people p- uh, putting out their... Uh, Happy Sons Day. Like, you know, there's Mother's and Father's Day. Now there's Sons Day. Did you see this? Right. People well, I are... saw they had Daughter's Day earlier in the week, and then maybe the next day or something was Sons Day. And yes, that was the first time I'd seen either one of those. It, are people that bored? I mean, really? I mean, well, it, I mean, it's a hall. Is, you know, it, that's... is it just trying to be, is this Hallmark doing this, or just some fucking group of bored people saying, I want to say Happy Sons Day? You know, well, you know, I think it may be. I think it may be partially driven by social media because it's a good excuse for people to put up pictures of their children and say, you know, look what I made. Right. And and uh, uh, and, and then uh, and then uh, uh, pedophiles will see these kids and uh, right and, and, and connect with them. So good luck. You right. know, put, put your kids' photos out on every social media network and see what happens, you stupid <laughs> fucking idiots. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty reluctant to uh to to uh you know put put my kids' pictures or really anything that's not professional. Well, you know, Manny, that brings up have you seen this new uh Netflix uh documentary, The Social Dilemma no, about I Facebook and I don't know all I that haven't. stuff? Uh uh-uh. uh. Well, it's kind of it's it's a, a recent release. It's kind of sweeping through, uh, you know, the, the people are, are seeing it and reacting. And it's a lot of stuff that you would expect. You know, one of the main features that they it's, it's all these people who are designers of uh, different 
uh, platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, who had worked in these things in the, the design phases and now are very alarmed at the, 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 the way it's all developing. So they're, the, and, so they're alarmed, but they're the ones to blame? Yes, yes. Well, and they're kind of coming clean like, yeah, when we started this, we didn't know what the end result was going to be. And now that we're seeing what the end result is, we're concerned because all these things that we couldn't predict are, are flowing from it. So what are they going to do about it? Well, I mean, these people, I guess what they were doing was, uh, you know, sounding the alarm and participating in this, this uh, documentary that's yeah. saying, well, yeah, maybe there needs to be some regulation. Uh, all I got I to know. say about that is you're a little late. Yeah, late, yeah, 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 know. yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah. Well, you know, but what I was as I was watching it, well, the, the thrust of the thing, if for people that, that aren't going to watch it, but you should watch it because it's pretty interesting, is that if you're using a a service or a product that you can't tell what they're selling, what they're selling is you. You know, what they're selling is your information, your uh, you know, all of your connections and your attention. They're they're consuming your attention, but. As I watched it, I thought, well, you know, yes, like any tool, you know, like automobile, you can drive off a cliff with it, but that's no reason to walk everywhere, you know. So, yes, Facebook, if you sit and, and spend your whole day on it and, and engage in a whole bunch of political uh, interactions that upset you, then at the end of the day, you'll be bombarded with political uh, content that upsets you and all of your time will be wasted. But, you know, the, then I had other people that I know that were saying, well, I'm getting off Facebook. And these are people in the music business. I'm getting off Facebook. And they were announcing this on Facebook. And I thought, am I the only person that sees the irony here? You know, that, that if you really believed in that, why wouldn't you just take out a classified ad saying I'm getting off Facebook, you know? Yeah. Well, isn't going on all this stuff just um, a, a, a way of uh, killing time? You know, well, because well, it, it it can be yes, but for me, I use it as a way. You know, like people used to read the newspaper. If you got an item in the newspaper, like for a gig or something, people would see that because everybody read it, and that was your the conduit for information. Now nobody reads the newspaper except for me. I get one every day, but you know, it's it. it, it now, uh, you know, social media is a way that that the the common man has some control over the flow of information. You don't have to buddy up to the music writer. You don't have to beg and scrape to hope the club will put a, a listing of your gig in. You can actually, you know, grab some of those reins of, of information and, you know, use them yourself. You know, but you have to be smart with this like anything. Yeah, well, you know me. I, I, I don't do any of that. So I really I, I don't, you know. I don't care. <laughs> right. This doesn't affect you. Yeah. You're, you're not falling into yeah, uh, the, the trap of well, social so media. You get the newspaper delivered every day? I've, I've gotten the newspaper delivered every day since the 80s, yes. Now, why in this day and age would you want a newspaper when you can just read it online? Well, because so much of what we do involves screens, you know, uh, working, uh, you know, on the no, um, but don't you different think, things. Uh, but, uh, you're, so you're not, you're not environmentally friendly. Well, you know, the thing about paper, Manny, is it actually it's one of the few things that actually does grow on trees. So, you know, it's uh, for now. Uh, well, but you know, I California, mean, I the whole Northwest is burning up, and those trees are gone. It's going to well, take years yeah, well, for them, for that lumber to come back. 
Right, you know? right. Yeah, I don't think they were making newspaper out of those trees. Those are uh, those are a different sort of. Uh, well, but anyway, think. I like the. F- I, I like the feel of the newsprint. I like the tactile experience of it. I like uh, that I can cut an article out and underline things in it, you know. And you use so, it to, so you can piss on too, right? Because you're still um, well, not you know, potty if trained. A, if you have a bird cage, you know, you can put it down there, you know. Yeah, you can uh, paper train your, uh, you can't paper train your pet with a, uh, with a program, can you? No, I guess not. Do you have a no. lot of pets? No, no, just that same worn-out dog I've had for a while. She's hanging in there. Why don't you just put it you, down? Put it out of her misery. Because she's actually, she's still squeezing some joy out of life, you know. It's, it's funny, I was thinking of you. Uh, I now, she has this, uh, this condition. She has uh, uh, Cushing's disease, which I believe uh, John Kennedy, our uh, JFK, suffered from. It's a uh, it's an adrenal ad- adrenal gl- gland uh, misfiring. So I have to I have to uh, cut these pills up into force for. So every four days I sit there and I make these little foil packs that it's like a dollop of of uh, peanut butter a- on a piece of foil, and then I empty out a pill and I chop it up on a piece of newspaper and I cut that into force and then I distribute it between the, uh, these little dollops of, 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 uh, peanut butter. And then I fold them up and it, it looks like some really low rent. The whole operation looks like some very, uh, low rent drug, <laughs> drug kind of operation when I'm done, you know, f- uh, fold it up in the foil packs. It's, uh, I thought, so uh, you, no, your dog maybe. eats foil. Well, no, she's eating them off the foil. Oh, she, off the she's, foil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. You, you open them up and, uh, you know, she... she I didn't know dogs medicine. like peanut butter. Is that true? Oh, yeah. No, they do. Oh, yeah. She, she eats it up. It's, it's very creamy and, uh, and uh, rich, you know, it's sweet. And you still have that cat, right? Cat's still hanging in there. It's not my cat. Right, it's right. my well, that wife. That... It's my wife and daughter's cat. I have nothing to do with that fucking animal. Okay. Fucking. <laughs> it's a fucking cat who's pretending to be blind to just fuck with huh. me. You think the cat's putting that on? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It knows where everything is. Okay. But every once in a while, it tries to fuck with me. But anyway, <laughs> you were talking about watching the um, this thing you saw, this documentary. And I was watching TV over the weekend, and I was watching this movie. Have you seen this movie, Veep, about Dick Cheney? I haven't seen it. I know what you're talking about, but have not seen it. Well, I started watching it, and, you know, he's a a fucking total asshole jerk, Dick Cheney. Yep. So I don't understand why would they make a movie about him. And I, I get it because they were trying to make kind of a dark comedy about this movie, about this, you know, this whole his story and stuff. And mm-hmm. 20 minutes into this movie, I looked at my wife and I said, this guy's an asshole. Why would I, why would I even give him the time of day? I hated him, you know, I hated him the whole time he was vice president, even years before that. Right. So I turned it off. I was like, who... Who got money? What guy sold it to the studios? We need to make a movie about Dick Cheney, this asshole. Because he just comes right. off the whole time as a fucking asshole. And they try to do it in a humorous way, but it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
And yeah, they thought they would they'd find his uh, the the lovable side of Dick Cheney just wasn't there. Well, I mean, the funniest thing about it, I mean, about him was, you know, he sh- he was out on a hunting trip. Remember during his uh, Bush years? And, oh yeah. And he shot the guy he was hunting with by accident, and the guy mm-hmm. he was hunting with uh, hunting with apologized to him. Right, right, right. <laughs> shot him in the face. Yeah, something like yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah. And and I didn't get to that part of the movie, but I just know that, that that happened. So, I mean, how does that happen? How does, like, what if I, like, shot you in the leg and you said to me, I'm sorry, Manny? <laughs> you know, it just doesn't make sense. Right. Well, it goes to show you what a, what a dark character he was, because even though the guy knew that it wasn't his fault, he, he feared the, the kind of bellicose character. Uh, uh, character of of a Dick Cheney right. and thought, mm, you know, I don't want Dick Cheney to get any tr- in any trouble for shooting me in the face, so I'll get out in front of this and apologize like it was my fault. Right. I mean, I guess he had that much power. I don't know, but you know, speaking of shootings, here in New Orleans, the shootings are going crazy, man. It's fucking going yeah. nuts. Murder rate. I mean, we're gonna hit three hundred murders by the end of the year, I think. Hmm, the, probably hmm, the biggest okay. murder rate ever, you know. Oh, and, wow. and remember a, few, uh, a while back we talked about this father, or the son who shot his father because, over Chinese food? I do, I do. Yeah, well, there was another story where his grandfather shot his grandson in the leg over an argument. Did you see that? No, no, I missed that. Yeah, uh, uh, they didn't really have much uh, information about it, but... It's like a grandfather and a grandson. Uh, they must have been arguing about something, and and, and just pull, the grandfather pulls out a gun, and just shoots him. They had to rush him to the hmm. hospital. I think he's in still he's in critical condition right now. I don't know. I don't know. And then and and then there was. Did you hear this? This fourteen year old girl gets shot like in the buttocks, and. She walks to the hospital by herself. Gee whiz. Yeah. And what I want to know is, I mean, she must have known where the hospital was because she's probably been there a million times for other family members. Oh, man. Or did she ask for directions? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You know? I don't know. It's it's uh, it's tragic, man, that she somebody would uh, you know not not have closer supervision over where she could uh, you know get and, some care. Uh, but she walked to the hospital and to the emergency room, and then okay, did you hear about this? You know, well, it's not more. just gun violence. Uh, okay. A man in Gentilly stabbed a woman with his sword. Gee, Wes, now I'm missing all the good stories, man. Yeah, he uh, apparently uh, he was arguing with another man and this woman stepped into the argument and the man with the sword just stabbed her. He just, I don't oh, know geez. if it was a foil kind of sword. I don't know what kind of sword it was oh, and who a has saber, a sword. Yeah. I mean, what kind of people have swords anymore? I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. You wouldn't think somebody would be ready to just whip that out uh, with the, the slightest uh, disagreement. And, and, and you think every, anytime I've seen a sword, it's always been very dull, you know, it's, been, it's in a museum and they're dull and stuff. So it must have been very painful to get stabbed with this sword. With a dull sto- yeah, sword? Yeah, unless this guy, you know, he's a sword guy and he uh, sharpened Swordsman. it. Swordsman? You know? Maybe. You know, maybe, but maybe. Uh, it leads to another gun story with that young kid. Oh, jeez. 
who was taking an internet class uh, and the BB gun was in his room and he got suspended. Did you hear? Oh yes, I did see that yeah. one. Yes. And, uh, and the first people to come, you know, he got suspended because he was taking a virtual class and his BB gun was in the background in his room. And the first people to come to his defense, of course, is the NRA. Right. They came to this country. And of course, this is a black kid and the NRA can care of a fuck about black people, you know, but of course they had to come chime in and stuff. And this poor kid's like, I think he's like seven years old, you know? Yeah, yeah, he had an unloaded BB gun just in his room. His little brother knocked it over, and he kind of reached and picked it up to prop it back up, and they saw it in the frame, and they the teacher freaked out, and he got suspended. Right. Insane, man, insane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad the, the, the superintendent uh, heard about it and stepped in and said, no, no, we reversed the suspension, and uh, there was a lot of community support for the, for the child. And, uh, you know, they, they straightened that out before too long because certainly, you know, it's a, we don't we, we have enough problems without making up problems, you know. Yeah. And you know, who has, you know, who has more problems is the me. Hard Rock Hotel, man. Still, they still have problems. They're trying to destroy yeah. the building. And what they, do they do? They catch it on fire. Is that right? Did you hear about this? No, Manny, I'm, I have my head under a rock, apparently. I'm missing all no, the No, the, the guys on the top floors, they're using these machines to break down the hard rock floor by floor. And this was like Tuesday or Wednesday. And the, the, there was sparks, and they caught the hotel on fire. Jesus Christ, man. They can't do anything right now. Yeah, can they? And, uh, and, you know... You know, I go. I'm I'm a member of the ring room. That's which is right next door, and it's right. it's become such. You know, I don't think I I think it's going to be like another two to three years before this thing gets uh, uh, demolished and settled. Jesus Christ! Well, Manny, as I was saying before, you may you know, wind up, uh, the next election may occur and you may be in charge when the thing is still, uh, they're still breaking it down those final floors. Well, so, no, right? I'm going to have my campaign offices there. Oh, okay. <laughs> you already have space for Yeah. Well, the bottom floor is fine, you know? Right, right. And I'm sure I can get it pretty cheap. <laughs> I think you probably could get a good deal on that. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's a, that sounds like a plan. Well, Manny, We've we've been uh, chatting about firearms and uh, and demolition for a long time here, right up top with the show. Maybe we should get to our guest. What do you sure. think? Sure. Okay. Well, this this guest, he's a uh, uh, I've known him for a long time. He's been in New Orleans, a musician. He's a, a saxophone player, harmonica player. Uh, I first knew him. He's he's been in the Klezmer All Stars for since the band started. Uh, he's. He's uh, also a, a producer. He's produced many bands, uh, a lot of big acts, Trombone Shorty, Big Frida, Revivalists, as well as his own band, Galactic, which he's been in uh, since the beginning. And they've, he's, they've put out a dozen records and uh, you know had a very successful career. And as of the last couple of years, are new owners of Tipitina's. So we have a lot to dig into with this guest. So without further ado, Mr. Ben Elman. Welcome, Ben. Good evening, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Hey, welcome. Yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for hanging in yeah. there. All right. Yeah. So, Ben, mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, as I was joking that uh, as I was contacting you that I'm, we're working our way through the Klezmer All-Stars lineup. 
because we had uh, Jonathan Freilich on, we had Glenn Hartman on, and so now we 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 have we have you on, and uh, I was I was asking. I knew there was some connection to between you guys before you even got to New Orleans. Oh yeah, and I was. And I couldn't exactly remember, so I was asking Glenn to remind me. And he was, and I was thinking that you came here with him. And he was saying, "No, you actually came to New Orleans with Jonathan Freilich." Yeah, Jonathan and I go go back to um, Los Angeles. Probably, I think I met him in about 1986, and wow. uh, and which is kind of an interesting story too, because the night I met him, uh, I think we were at like an offshoot of the Grateful Dead's. Like it was like Brett Midland, who was the keyboard player for the Grateful Dead, was having a show, and I was going with a friend. It was a friend of his, and uh, and and uh, we ended up all taking acid. So essentially, my first night meeting Jonathan Freilich, we took acid, and <laughs> and if anybody knows Jonathan Freilich, you know you can only imagine him on acid. He was the same guy in 1986 that he is now. I mean, yeah. way smarter now, but he was smart back then. Right? Are you from LA? I am from LA. I was born and raised. Where did you grow up? I grew up in like, in like West Los Angeles area. Oh, well, John, Jonathan was. Uh, that's where I grew up. What what part of West I, LA? I'm like my. I went my like stomping ground was sort of like Pico and Westwood. Like before sure. before the West Side Mall, there was you know the Pickwood Theater. Oh the, man, the Pickwood Theater was my stomping ground. Captain Video, the, you remember Captain? Yeah, Video? and the Pickwood Bowling Alley and oh, stuff. Oh hell yeah! Oh yeah, that's where yeah. I grew up, right there on that corner, man. Really, I used to hang out there. Probably late seventies, early eighties. Where did you go to high school in LA? So I went to um, Hamilton for a year, and then I moved into the Valley and went to Taft. But like, I went to Overland Elementary School, which is right down the street from that, and Emerson Junior High School. Oh, you're an Emerson kid. Okay. Yeah, I'm an Emerson kid. I went to Westwood Elementary for a little bit too. So sort of like that Westwood Village. West Side LA, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I went to Palms Junior High. Oh, yeah. And I was supposed to go to Hamilton High School, but my parents said, you ain't going to Hamilton because Hamilton was rough. Man. It was, man. As a matter of fact, because of Hamilton, I, you know, it was just like kind of pointless. I ended up dropping out in 11th yeah. grade and going to yeah. SMC. And this was like Hamilton now is a great school. It's a performing arts school. I think it's a charter. But yeah. it's a really amazing school now, and a lot of people have come in out of it. In the 70s and 80s, it was, I mean, you you were lucky to survive yeah. every day. If you were white or yeah. Hispanic or Asian, uh, yeah. you were you were lucky to survive a day. And, you know, like I moved around, I moved around elementary schools and junior high schools. Um, so I when I got into high school, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't coming up through that whole thing of like, hanging out with the same group of people ever since I was a kid. Right. So when you I got into longer, Hamilton, I didn't know yeah. anybody, man, you know. Right. It just sucked. And and I ended up going to high school with ashtrays over at SMC, Santa Monica Community College, which was <laughs> great. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I went to SMC for like half a semester. It was basically Harvard by the Sea, they called it, yeah. which always made me laugh. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you went to Taft, huh? I went to Taft for one year, and I lived, uh, moved out into like Canoga Park area for a year. Okay. Um, so, God, you moved around a lot. So you went from the West L.A. area to the Valley. And then I actually went back into West L.A., but th the whole tying it back in with Jonathan is I had met Jonathan when I was living in the Valley, and uh, and eventually he ended up moving to Santa Cruz, California, going to college up there. 
Right. He so told about, us that, yeah, yeah, about a year after I met Jonathan, maybe it was maybe less than a year. I moved up to Santa Cruz too. I went to go visit him and just decided just, I was like, Hey man, I can go to community college up here. It's just as easy right. as I am in LA. And, Right. So you hang out at Pico and Westwood, man, before the mall opened up. I mean, that was a great area. (laughs) Yeah. And there was John O'Groat's Breakfast Place on Pico. That was great. I don't remember that. There was the the Apple Pan. Well, that's still there. That's the only thing that's still there. Well, John O'Groat's is still there, but Apple Pan is the most famous fucking place on that area of Pico ever. And do you know... Do you know the owners who died like years ago? There was somebody from down the road at Paramount Studios, at the Paramount Studios, this producer and his wife loved the pan so much that they bought it from the grandchildren. Hmm. And I don't know how, how long it's been since you've been back to that area. It's I mean, been a everyone, while, but I, yeah, I, everyone, I mean, you got the West Side Pavilion, you got the huge buildings all around it, and there, in the middle of all that is this tiny little apple pan place with that little horseshoe dine, you know, horseshoe yeah. counter, and it's still there because these producers, these Paramount people, loved it so much they they bought it and they're keeping it exactly how you remembered it. That's awesome. You know, it's funny. Like I tell people the story, like the L.A. that I grew up in just just really does not exist. Oh, at it all. does. Oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, it does not. I exist. used to go like do like when I was a little kid. My parents took me for these little pony rides where the Beverly Center is now. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know? shit. Man. I mean, I just turned fifty. So if anybody's curious, like how old, fuck old are you? You know, I mean, I was born in seventy <laughs> in L.A., so I'm like a seventies, eighties L.A. kid. You know, right? Uh, but, I was born a little early. I'm about seven years older than you, but I mean. The Hollywood that I remember, the punk rock Hollywood uh, oh. from the late seventies to the mid eighties, is yeah. gone. I mean, yeah. I don't, you know, that Hollywood is gone. Yeah, Melrose. I mean, when I was uh, sort of yeah. a youngster, I'd get my ass kicked going up there. Everyone called me a poser and kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was, but you know, shit, you had to go. You had to do it. You had to go. Where, where are you going to meet girls? Man? Yeah, girls. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, so Ben, did you come to New Orleans to go to school, or you just came to follow to hang out with Jonathan? <laughs> well, what happened was Jonathan and I were living in in Santa Cruz in 1986 when there was, or it was, I'm sorry, it was '89 uh, uh, with the Loma Prieta earthquake. If you remember, it's when the Bay Bridge fell on top of each other uh, yeah. uh, during yeah, the during the, yeah. World, during the World Series, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so the epicenter of that was 20 miles from Santa Cruz, and Santa Cruz. Took real took took a real beating on that um, that earthquake, and so we were hanging out there for a while, and like we you know no one had power for a couple weeks, and it was it was just one of those situations where life stopped, and all of downtown was uh, cordoned off, and all the buildings were structurally damaged, and it, it just felt like the, the town was gone, and uh, and FEMA had just started, and Jonathan and I each got a thousand dollars from FEMA. Everyone who lived in Santa Cruz got some FEMA money. So it was like, you know, you get your check. Yeah, I got our check. So, you know, we just we took it and we, we took a road trip and we went down to New Orleans together and, and stayed with a family friend. My father had a friend who uh, was living down here and uh, I ended up staying with her for two months and Jonathan stayed with her for longer than that. But so basically came on a sort of road trip and never left. Were you sleeping with her? Oh no! Hell no! Okay. <laughs> she was my dad's age. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, oh, she go. was an empty nester. You know, she just had a she had a daughter who just went off to college, and then all of a sudden, you know, me and Jonathan show up, and and you know, somebody to 
hang out and smoke weed with. Oh, you got to pay the rent. Mother you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. Well, you know, one thing I, I love about the Klezmer All-Stars is so, so you guys kind of, you were young people who started that band. You call yourself the New Orleans Klezmer All-Stars when, when you guys were, were just learning how to play Klezmer music, which is very cheeky. I think that's hilarious. And, uh, and really, people in New Orleans didn't know, we'd never heard Klezmer music. I mean, you know, some people had, but it wasn't a thing that the, the person walking down the street was familiar with generally. But so, so you guys put this band together, and you've kept it together. You continue to play with this band, even though you've you've each had very successful careers, gone off in, in different directions from that, and and you know done different things. But you guys are still tight. You guys are still a, a tight group, man. It's it's such a testament to, you know, your good character, and uh, you know, it's 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 very sweet. It's kind of a family thing. Yeah, right? I appreciate that. You know, it's like any you know, you've been in a band for a long time too. You know, it's kind of always just amazing when when sort of the music could keep you guys together for that long. And uh, you know, we've had a few changes, but for the most part. Uh, you know, the integrity of the band is, has been there since the beginning and, and it's, you know, hella fun and hella hard music to play. And, um, you know, I guess, you know, it's, it's been, uh, watching the band evolve, watching Jonathan as a writer and Glenn as a writer, uh, taking on the music, you know, so it's interesting, you know, it's a hard band to travel with, I think, you know, but, uh, but hell of a fun band to play with. You know, we spent a lot of time. Before I even went on the road with any band, the first band I ever ran on the road with was was the Klezmers, and you know we did the hard leg tour, and you know with a cargo van and a futon, a hundred dollars and a pizza. You know, I mean, we did like quite a bit of you know we did a few years of that easy where we were gone a lot, and you know, as you know, that shit ain't easy, man. Showing up at gigs and and having uh, people from the synagogue show up, thinking they're going to ha- hear real yeah. straight down the straight down the middle Klezmer oh, music totally, and yeah. hear you guys New Orleans take on it and booing you. And, yeah. <laughs> and, oh man, we've seen it all. I mean, it, it, it's funny because our tours were interesting because we would always sort of have an anchor gig, you know, on the tour, which would be like a bar mitzvah or a wedding, you know, and then we'd book a bunch of punk rock clubs, you know, that we were just we would actually get the names of these clubs out of. The Musician Magazine Guide to Touring, which I imagine you remember from back in the days, Renee. Well, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was. No, I, I've never seen the Klezmers, but Jonathan has uh, told me a lot about them. Do you do yoga like Jonathan? I do not. Okay. I do not. Because uh, I asked him, I said, isn't yoga just a fancy word for stretching? <laughs> and, and he got all defensive about that it. That he did. Yeah, he, oh, I thought he said yes. No, no, he got all <laughs> okay. defensive about it. Oh, did he? Yeah, he got all defensive. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah, I, I've never seen that. You know, I don't go out. I don't. I don't listen to music or anything like that. So, uh, it's a I, fun band. Fun band. The chicks dig it. They, uh, there's a lot of dancing goes on. A lot of uh, frivolity. <laughs> it's always kind of different. It always, it's always fun to sort of play music. That I mean, here in New Orleans, we play and people come and they, they're expecting Klezmer. But, you know, I love playing festivals and like these kind of shows where people really aren't, they don't know what to expect, you know, and then we hit them with that shit. It's always fun. And, and what, what instrument do you play? I'm a that? saxophone player. Okay, the saxophone player. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, did you start off on harmonica and then start playing saxophone after that? or? Yeah, I mean, when I, like the first night when we were on acid and I met Jonathan, I had been playing harmonica just for a, a little bit and... Um, Jonathan had been playing guitar for much longer and, 
and he was way deeper just you know into blues and i was just starting to scratch the surface and uh and i we went back to his house and he was just like hey so have you ever heard you know uh Sonny Terry and Brandon McGee, and I never heard that. And he, you know, we just spent a night playing records, and he was just blowing my mind. And have you ever played on acid? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh good. I mean, it ain't easy, you know. Uh, there was been the right the Mar- uh, the Klesmer All Stars have played at uh, Mardi Gras Day for I don't know how many years now. I mean, at least you know fifteen twenty years. It's we have a Mardi Gras Day gig on Frenchman Street. So oh, okay. just that alone. So, so that's a good time to uh, experiment if you're going so, to. So, you know, our, our guest, I think, a week or so ago, we were, we were talking about harmonica players. Do you know any uh, famous uh, female harmonica players? Oh, I do not. Because okay. we were talking we were, about we were how yes. that instrument is the one where you blow and suck. Yes. That's you know, and we were trying it's to... the only one where you suck and blow. Right, exactly. And we th- we Just were trying that. to figure out, is there any female harmonica players? Yeah, we, we couldn't come up with... There must be, but n- none, none would could come to mind for us. Yeah, if you YouTube that, I'm sure you'll find them. Okay, all right. We haven't done that kind of research. Yeah. You're right. Um, yeah. you're, you're right, Ben. Well, so about the same time that, that the Klezmer All-Stars are, are going on uh, or, or starting up, uh, this different group of, of uh, young kids are getting together, and that's the 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 uh, Galactic, which started off as Galactic Prophylactic, mm-hmm. um, and it was the same. And you were also playing in Lump, which is a band I remember. And as I was thinking about those names, I was thinking, oh yeah, remember Nipples of Isis? Oh yeah, of course. It was another another one of those bands like kind of started about the same time. Yeah, you know, if, if you hadn't seen them all, it's hard to to really know who was who. Man, there was <laughs> a killing, there was a really, really killing scene in the early 90s in New Orleans of rock music that maybe I've just gotten older and I'm not involved and it still exists on some level. I can't say for sure, but like, you know, you mentioned Nipples of Isis, but there was also like Weed Eater, uh, Evil Nurse right. Sheila, um, Rigid. You know, there was like this whole sort of, and, and it, it was kind of a, a collective too of a bunch of, of Kenner bras, you know, like great musician, good guys who were just like love playing rock and roll and into like jazz and punk. And it was a really good scene for a while. And the mermaid, mermaid, you don't know, you remember all that stuff. Oh, sure. Kind of experimental strain of, uh, of, of, uh, of rock. The people were, were trying to do something different, trying to figure out some slightly different formula. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, so you guys, I guess a bunch of those guys were in Galactic were, were Tulane students and into the meters and, and uh, you know, New Orleans music. And, uh, you know, so you guys start playing and, and, and winds up being a hugely successful band. Again, uh, you know, same, same band for, you know, uh, over two decades, you know, 25, 26 yeah. years. It's funny, you know, the gig, I, when I started playing, I'm not in a, ri- I mean, I, I'm not on the very first Galactic record. The band started in 94 and I joined in 96. And the guy okay. I took over for was Joe Cabral. Okay. <laughs> so well, well, now at that time. Now, who was, is Joe was, Cabral? He's the sax player in the Iguanas. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. yes do you remember yes. when he played in the band, Renee? I do remember when he was doing some gigs with, with, uh, with Galactic. Yes. Yeah. Now, at that same time, Eric Traub was also. Yes. 
yes. playing some. And and I was listening to that first record today and just hearing it, it just Eric popped into my mind. I guess I still have his sound in my head. Yeah. Just, it, it was like, Eric Jacobson man. too. Remember Eric okay. Jacobson, the trumpet player? I, I really did. Yeah. But, uh, but Traub was the guy. I mean, that's how I got the gig is because I was the guy um, who was willing to go on the road for no money. And Stanton Moore, who also um, played we played with us, and I know Stanton from the Klezmer All-Stars. He was our drummer for for quite a right. while. So, you know, he kind of brought me into the Galactic as the guy who was like, okay. oh, yeah, Ben will do it for no money. He'll get in a van. <laughs> you know, and that's really how I got the gig because their horn section at the time was just like super ringers, you know, with, with um, Traub and Eric Jacobson and Clarence Johnson play with them for a while and Joe. You know. Okay. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. They always, they, they were smart to hire great horn players. They always did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those, that record sounds terrific, man. Well, all y'all's records sound terrific speak, but you know, so at that time they had, uh, well, I don't know exactly when he started, but, but the, so galactic was like an instrumental band but then you always had uh well you, you had theral de as the singer but then since then you've you've had a whole string of guest singers but uh theral I, I i knew i had this record and i went and found it and, and pulled it out it's the record is called holly grove oh you got a holly grove album that's, that's the, awesome. the record is new orleans best kept secret i know it well and it's you know this record. Oh, yeah. It's from 1982, and the reason I have it is I think somebody, one of the other guys in the band or the in the vocal group, must have worked at one of my father's schools when my father was a principal. Oh wow! And he and he must have given my father a copy, and then I got all my father's records when he was getting rid of them, and I was just looking over this one, and I saw it Holly Grove, and I started, and I was like, oh, that's sterile. Yeah, Fuck. yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. That was that's a good group. I mean, they were a good vocal group. I mean, take from a lot of like those 50s you know r&b groups and right right love that crazy yeah, man yeah um well so again galactic uh you know same band going for so long so i'm 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 wondering uh you know at this point uh separate rooms for you guys oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely okay all right okay yeah you know i mean that's kind of i think one of the reasons you know we've been able to stay a band for a for as long as we've been a band is cause, um, you know, whatever. It's just like, like a marriage, you figure out how to live with that person. You figure out what it's going to take. Uh, you know, we're an extremely democratic band you know, it's not like a band with a lead singer who has an ego who wants to write all the songs and they're the worst songs or right. anything. You know, it's like when we really, um, it, it, it comes with its perks and its problems too. You know, sometimes I call it, art by democracy, which isn't always great either, you know, but for the most part, we're just a really democratic band and we get along pretty well and decisions are, you know, like you sort of choose your battles. Everyone chooses their battles and they know, they know, you know, their limits now. And, and I, yeah, it's just kind of worked out, you know, and being in a band that long too, it's like, it's interesting because we've, uh, we've been through, you know, so many singers like you were talking about, and even stylistically it's, um, I feel like we're, hopefully we've evolved but um just being around that long you know we've kind of gone through these um these sort of styles of music like where they used to call us an acid jazz band and then we became a jam band somehow and then i don't know really what we are now now that jam band's kind of over but it's kind of like living through all the labels that people have put on us over the years after 20 it's now like 26 years so your band this band started in uh, in the 90s yeah 
Yeah. Uh, now, I have to admit, I've never seen you guys, but I know now that you guys are uh, 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 pretty big, And but now you've uh, bought uh, one of the most famous clubs in New Orleans, the Tipitina's Lounge. Yeah. yeah. So how is that going to work? Yeah, that's a really good question, Manny, <laughs> especially right now. <laughs> we thought well, it was a I great know. idea. We thought it was a really good idea last year. I'll just put it to you that way. It was a, gr- it was a great idea. No, it was a great idea. Uh, you know, uh, we got really lucky. Uh, Tipitina's is, you know, uh, so iconic. And it's always been it's always been Galactic's home club, you know. I mean, for the last right. 15 years, man, we get all the, like, the choice dates. You know, basically when the – Neville Brothers stopped playing their their Halloween or their their Mardi Gras show. You know, we got to take that date. You know, and so we we get New Year's there, we get Halloween there, we get Lundi Gras. We've always had the best dates there, and they've always sort of been events for us. And um, and it's just been our home club. So uh, you know, it was something we had talked about for a long time with the old owner and. Uh, and you know we were just able to cross the finish line. And, and Who was, was the old owner that you bought it from? Uh, Roland. Uh, uh, what's how do you say that? Uh, Kurnatovsky. You know okay. Roland, the guy right. who owned that sounds the, close uh, enough. Yeah, the stuff at the lakefront, and he ended up talking about hunting accidents. Died in a hunting accident. <laughs> yes, and he owned the Orpheum. Yes. You, I'm kind of sure. like Dick Cheney, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, now, do all your band members live here in New Orleans? They do. Okay, so that's good that you're all part owners of this place and you all live here. There's no one who is uh, not present. No, yeah, we're all here and we're all there like all the time now too. And and you guys are constantly, you have your own studio, you're constantly working on on music, tunes, and, and just kind of uh, not like waiting till it's time to make a record and then jumping in the studio and banging one out. Y'all are kind of just, yeah. it's an ongoing process. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the way it's been for like the last 10 years. I mean, really, maybe even longer. Since we, we, we sort of got our own studio, our own recording gear, and in the beginning we were hiring producers and engineers, and then eventually we figured out how to do it ourselves. And uh, yeah, you know, we kind of keep, you know, noon to five, studio hours during the week when we're home and we just not all of us though it's really you know we kind of people come and go me and rob mercurio are up there the most and people sort of come and go but yeah we basically just we write most of our music sort of uh in the can so to speak you know sort of via pro tools and then flush it out and generally end up re-recording as a band but doing most of the writing in the computer but then sort of playing it as a band right right live take yeah well so is that where you do i know i was mentioning that you have all these uh non-galactic production uh credits um have, have you mostly done that in in that studio or or just everywhere a little bit of different places i mean a lot of the stuff in the studio um one of the first things that i produced sort of on my own breaking away from galactic was trombone shorty's first two records and I did those in that studio. It gets kind of hard to record a whole band in that studio. So it, it sort of depends what, what we're doing. You know, um, a lot of the times I'll go in with a band into a, a, a bigger studio that can handle it and then do all the overdub stuff in our studio. Okay. Well, I saw you, you just had this uh, thing that, that, that started circulating around this, this new big Frida uh, uh, yeah. 
number that uh, that you were a writer on. I guess uh, Rob was Rob Mercurio is a writer on, and that's being used in a commercial right now. Mm-mm, good, yeah, is the name of the track, yeah. But it's a whole track, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you know who Boyfriend is. Yeah, yes, so yes. Boyfriend uh, sort of brought Rob and myself in. She's been working with Big Frida, and she brought Rob and myself in to sort of flesh out part of like like sort of do the live sort of take over that sort of like live instrument part of her music. I mean, she's got a lot of DJs that she works with and producers, but um, they kind of came to us for a little bit of an organic thing to try to try to get that mm-hmm. through. And, uh, and we just started writing a bunch of stuff and Frida likes it and boyfriend's been liking it. So now we just got, you know, we've got, we've done three or four at least. And, and we just continue on working on stuff. Which I, is I'm a little, maybe I'm just not out there and knowing what's, uh, so isn't, Big Frida is a man or a woman? Is a man. Okay. Big Frida yeah. is a man, but it goes, you know, he goes by a, you know, a she or a him or, you know, he's kind of. Or they or, yeah, you know. You know I, I never got the memo and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I don't understand yeah. it, you know. Yeah. It, it, Big Frida doesn't seem too hung up on it from what I, from what I hear, you know, people in the. Con, in when the, you in say the hung up, what does that mean? Hung up. Well, not, not not too concerned with the pronouns is what I'm saying. You know, uh, big free to seem well to be, hung uh, up. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know I don't know why. Well, you know, I had one question about boyfriend because I'm intrigued by yeah. her. Um, when she when she comes in uh, to just work during the day, uh, uh, hair curlers or no? Hair I've curlers? seen hair curlers, but not generally. But I will say okay, this huh? about about her: the very first time I met her, uh, and we had already sort of been doing some email correspondence. She hit on you? No, absolutely not. She's married. Uh, uh, but she, um, we'd already been doing some email correspondence about, about collaborating on a track. And then I went to go see her play and I introduced myself and I said, Hey, I'm Ben. And she goes, boyfriend. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, what, what, what should I call you? You know, like, what's your name? She goes, boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, you it. know, there is, there is, there is a commitment to uh, character in her. Does, nice. does big Frida play the harmonica? No. But Big Frida is an amazing singer and comes out of the church. You know, she's kind of a, a church singer, so she can sing really well. So does does the church like uh, not dig her because she swings both ways? I don't know. Uh, I can't answer that. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I you like can answer words. this, Ben. You know, like during this whole pandemic and hurricanes, we see our leaders, you know, having press conferences, mm-hmm. and they all have someone doing sign language. Yeah. You know, and I find them very entertaining. Uh-huh. But I think, don't you think it would be better if these sign language people would be wearing clown outfits? <laughs> well, it might distract, but um, it would be more entertaining for I think so people too. who want to be distracted, let's say. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> right. so too. Yeah. Kind of relief. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I just, I just saw that uh, uh, big mama Thornton played the harmonica. Oh, really? Hmm. Did Did you know that? It kind of rings a bell, but I can't. I'm not really familiar. She is apparently the number one female harmonica player ever in the history of music. Okay. All right. Well, we're learning something. You've been Googling while we're talking, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, good. Some production. I like that. Um, Well, Manny, I'm, I'm looking at the, at my cocktail and I'm guessing that you're probably in the same situation. Uh, Yeah. Yes, I am. You think you want to yeah, take a little should, uh, break? So, uh, tell our guests what we do. 
So, yes, uh, Ben, we're going to take a little break and uh, the nation can go get themselves a cocktail. We're going to refresh our drinks and uh, you can do the same. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. All right. And we're back. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coman. Back with our guest, Mr. Ben Elman. Now, Ben, uh, we have a terrific product that's been uh, associated with the the Troubled Men podcast for a few months now. And uh, Manny's going to tell you about that product right right. now. You know, Ben, before I tell you about this product, I want to tell you something. Mm -hmm. I never buy Velcro because it's a (laughs) ripoff. Nice. All right. But listen, Ben, how old are you now? 50. And and you're married with children or what's going on with you? One one kid. Married. Okay. But but no wife? Yeah, no, I'm married. Okay. Married with one kid. Mm -hmm. So these are, you know, stressing times here. They are. In in our world, in our nation. And I'm going to talk to you about something, Ben. It's called the Velo Bar. The Velo mm. Bar is a plant-based protein bar from healthy superfood ingredients like pumpkin seeds, hemp heart, and chia seeds. Mm. It's I like a them. kind of protein bar that fills you up and calms you down. Calms you down, Ben. <laughs> How's it do that? Well, because it's a CBD bar. Oh. It's got 25 mm. milligrams of CBD per bar. Mm. Per bar. Perfect dose to take the edge off mm-hmm. whatever you're dealing with right now. And, you know, we're all dealing with a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a stress bar. It's a breakfast bar. It tastes fucking great. And right now, Ben, are you listening, Ben? I'm here. If you go to VeloBarCBD.com <laughs> and order right now or tomorrow or Wednesday or Friday, yes, whatever you soon, want. Anytime. Yeah, anytime. If you use the Troubled Men 1-5 promo code, you'll get 15% off your order and free shipping. You can't beat that. Free shipping. And Renee loves the free shipping. (laughs) I love it. I love the free shipping. She's a cheap fuck. (laughs) Well, you know, you got to save it where you can, you know. You know. But this is a this is a, a, a Velo Bar. This company was started by a friend of mine from high school who went to Emerson, mm. and he went to uni, and he went to UCLA, and he went to prison. No, I'm right. <laughs> That's where he got the idea yeah. for the, the, the yeah. CBD bar because yeah. people need to calm down. Well, listen, the nation. I talked to him a few days ago, and he says the nation is ordering these bars. Yes, which is very good, um, and. It's a great tasting bar, Ben. It's called the Velo Bar. It comes in two great flavors, which is dark chocolate and peanut butter. Mm. And remember that old commercial in the eighties? You got chocolate in my peanut butter. Absolutely, you got peanut butter in my chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's nothing like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's a healthy protein bar. So, Nation and Ben, check it out. Go to VeloBarCBD.com. Place your order. Troubled Men 1-5 promo code, get 15% off, free shipping. You know what to do and get it together. All right. Right on. So, and as always, Nation, if you want to uh, directly sponsor and support the Troubled Men podcast, we have the the uh, link right there in the show notes or the Facebook page, and uh, you can jump on there and uh, support the cocktail fund or, or just uh, support the, uh, the, the show cost directly. And, and uh, now the first round of T-shirts, 
Trouble Men t-shirts did end, but uh, we're starting another one up right away. So so don't uh, don't fear. And those that first first uh, batch of shirts is going out. So there'll be some some happy listeners out there. Now, uh, Ben, back to Yo. you. So so we were talking about Tipitinas and this is this great thing. Every the whole community was thrilled when you guys. Uh, you know, took that over because you know, let's face it, there had been some, some, uh, complicated, uh, uh, ownership issues, uh, previously. And I don't want you to go into, into anything, but, uh, everyone was thrilled when it went into the, the, the able stewardship of a, of a, a fine operation like galactic Ooh, thank you. Yeah, you nailed and it. stewardship. And that's the way and, we look at it. We really do. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. And I got to say, you know, as, as much as everyone, it's, it's, it's a hallowed venue, um, there are things about it that I never really cared for. One of them was the way it sounded on stage playing. I always thought it was not a super easy room to play. It was a good room to see a band. You know, you could have some great nights, great audiences. But since you guys took it over and, you know, did some PA work and uh, you got the sight line straight um, with those those the main speakers in front. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, I played in there. It's like, wow, it's actually fun to play in here now. It sounds really good on stage. You can see really well. Ooh, awesome. uh, you know, you guys were going through and up upgrading the equipment. Yeah, I got to tell you what we did. What we did the other day, though, you'll appreciate this. Right on. We just took out that whole front of house platform. So now when you walk in, it's like there's more, there's a different sort of flow going in. Like that front of house, where the front of house board sat, uh, it was built for an old, you know, 32, 64-track analog board. And now everything are these small digital boards. So Mm -hmm. we were able to really lower the footprint and, and, you know, we kind of went back and forth as to whether we were going to take that thing out. Because you do anything to that club and people start being like, what the fuck did you do? You know, you're going to have a lot right. of opinions, you know, a lot of opinions. They were, ups- they were upset when you got rid of the bathroom smell. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, but I think that this personally, I think that it's a really good upgrade just because it just the flow of the club feels different and kind of better. You know, it was really like forced sort of people to go around that soundboard, you know, on the other side. And it just feels yeah. different. It's really cool. We just did that a couple of days ago pretty exciting nice man but yeah a lot of little things a lot of little things like you said man i mean the two days after we bought the place the pa that had been in there since the late 80s blew wow so there you go yeah so so in the middle of owning a club and everything's going great guns uh you know uh, we have this thing this black swan event that no one could have ever predicted yeah uh and so you know, it's it's this is these are tough times for clubs. Uh, clubs. What is obviously. the Black Swan event? What's that? Well, it's something that you know they. I guess the where that comes from is people had seen white swans. They were very easy to you know. To the, they were all over the place, but there were rumors of black swans. But there were so few of them that people thought maybe it was just a myth or something. And then turns out, well, you do see black swans. So there, it's just a. Uh, an event that's uh, not very common, but but they do occur. So anyway, um, so we 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 have this uh, this pandemic that shuts all the clubs down, even up until today. So 
you know, you guys have, have this thing and you're trying to, you're still working on it. And, you know, you guys are, have the long view, you know, you understand that this too shall pass, mm -hmm. but you have to bridge that gap. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the hardest thing. And that's the way I've always kind of felt about it since this whole thing started was it's just like, you know, we're just, we're, we're getting scrappy and we're just trying to bail water out before it sinks, you know? And, and uh, you know, it's, we've been lucky at a lot of turns and we had some help with, um, with the government in the beginning, you know, because we basically, we just took out huge mortgages, you know, and banks want their money, you know? And, uh, so right. we've got some deferments and we've had a little bit of PPP stuff and a little bit of forgiveness here or there. And, uh, and we're just really trying to make it work, but it's like, just, you, you know, don't really know what's around the corner, you know, how much longer it's like that, you know, we can really sustain it like this. And so the future is still kind of, it's hard to see. So Ben, yeah. going back to LA with Jonathan, um, you were, you know, high school in the early to mid eighties. Uh, what bands did you go see? We used to go to McCabe's a lot. Yes, Jonathan said that, yeah. Yeah, so we'd go to McCabe's a lot. Um, On Pico Boulevard. Yeah, I was a huge fan of bands like X and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the Untouchables and the oh. other L.A. bands. I was, um, I was a very early fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers and used to see them in very small clubs in Los Angeles. Well, that's amazing because I used to – I was friends with Anthony and Flea Oh, well. At a very young age. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was, um, it would have to be all ages shows for me to get in. There was a couple places I couldn't get in, but we used to go out. Well, the, I think the oh. music machine on Yeah, Pico. I was about to say that. We would go to the music machine. We would yeah. go to the country club in the valley. Yes. Um, yes. In Reseda, yes. Ackerman Hall in, in uh -huh. UCLA. In UCLA, yes. Um, and even some smaller spots. But I was, you know, since you knew Anthony and Flea, then, you know, Hillel Slovak had a band called right. What Is It that I was into yes. for a little bit, too. So, right. yeah, that was kind of, I was in, in all of that stuff, really. Yeah, poor Hillel. He just, he couldn't take it, man. He just, he bit it. It's interesting because I, I kind of fell off with the Chili Peppers after sort of their second album, after the one that George Clinton produced. I, I, I just sort of started digging into other things and, and I just wasn't listening. Well, they, they wandered after, I think after Hillel died and the George Clinton, they kind of just kind of stammered or wandered for a while. Well, they got hugely popular as well. They got, you know, they, they made well, some yeah. pop songs, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and Anthony well, started singing and they became a little bit of a different band, you know? Right. Uh, but there's other bands, uh, like, uh, uh, Thelonious Monster was a band. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah, and they were one of one of favorite bands. But they were there was one of those bands that you know was constantly self destructing, and you just love to watch it. Yeah, you know, you'd, you'd go to uh, Raji's or a Club Lingerie. Oh, you, just, got, you know, Manny. I know you probably also back in the day would would go see Oingo Boingo, huh? Uh, yeah, I like what band I really liked was the drummer from Oingo Boingo, John Artez. Right? Yeah, he had this band called Food for Feet. And they were they were amazing. They were an amazing band. Uh, Oingo, Oingo, you know, being trying to be a punk rock kid or something. Oingo, you know, all the valley kids and and and, and pop kids listen to Oingo Boingo. 
But looking back on Oingo Boingo, they're a very good band, and Danny Elfman, very fucking talented guy. Yeah. I mean, do you remember that movie, Erg, A Music War? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, their, sure. see, their little thing in that movie, they were, I mean, they were a fucking punk band. People would, you know. Yeah. And did you know Oingo Boingo was on the gong show? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll even go one little deeper. There was, there was a, a movie, I can't remember the name, but if you Google Oingo Boingo and Foosball, they were in this movie about Foosball that really never came out. <laughs> My father was in the film business, so uh-huh. he had somehow had something to do with it, like theatrical distribution in the early days. But uh, Now, did you go see The Untouchables at the On Club? Oh, wow, The On Club. I yeah, on, in Silver Lake on Sunset Boulevard. I don't think I've ever been there, but that sounds familiar, but I don't think I've ever seen them. Well, that's where I discovered the Untouchables because they were, you know, the mod scene came to LA. Mm-hmm. You know, the reemergence of the mods. And I had a girlfriend who was a mod in the early 80s. And we used to go to this club called the On Club. And the, the first incarnation of the uh, Untouchables were at the On Club on Sunset Boulevard in Silver Lake. And Clyde Grimes, remember Clyde? Mm-mm. He was uh, the guitar player, and he was the one who founded this band. And the poor guy, uh, well, he, he, he met a horrible death like 15 years ago or something like mm-hmm. that. But the Untouchables were great. Yeah. They were such a great band. Well, you know what it's like, you know, being a young kid in that scene in L.A. or whatever, just going to those kinds of shows, you know, I'd sneak out of my house and it was yeah. also exciting and fun and, and super dangerous and shit that I would never let my daughter do. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? The bus, like I was like, you know, I was a 13 year old, 12 year old kid taking the bus to the other side of Los Angeles. You know, well, Exactly. That's what I was doing too. Yeah. That's what I was doing too. Um, uh, we, they didn't have cell phones. It was harder yeah. to keep track no. of you. You know, you could, uh, you know, yeah. you could, you could get lost. And you're and, trans- you know, you say and you're transfer, your friend's house. And- the bus transfer was only good for like 60 minutes. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had an incredible amount, incredible amount of freedom. For, at a young age in a big city that I can't imagine really most parents would give their kids these days anyway. Yeah, well, L.A. is a siren and she'll eat you up, yeah. man. So you've got to be careful. Mm-hmm. Well, so normally, uh, you know, Galactic is on tour almost constantly, right? I mean, yeah. you guys really hit the road pretty heavy. Um, and obviously that's not going on now. But uh, you must have had dates booked and, and things keep getting rescheduled. Are we now rescheduling into 20, yeah, uh, summer of 2021? Is that what it's looking like now? We are. We are. I mean, wow. you know, and we're, we're booking tips too, really. I mean, because, man, when, you know, when, when it opens up and, and it becomes safe and people feel comfortable to come out again and bands feel comfortable touring – shit's going to go off, you know? I mean, bands, every band's going to yeah. want to go on tour, you know, desperately. Right. Uh, and people are going to want to go out, you know? I think it's going to be interesting Fuck to yes. see the other side. It's going to be really interesting to see the other side of this. And, you know, I think those who can yes. hang on are, are going to um, have some sort Do of you work. think, though, as owners of this club, are you going to have to, like, increase by very little percentage the amount of the ticket price just to make up for the revenue lost? I mean, that's an interesting question. I can't really say, you know, a lot of what's going to happen. I mean, a lot of the ticket prices coming into a show like that are, are like, uh, I'm sorry, if it's a local band, it's one thing, but if it's a national touring act, then it's usually set by them 
for the most part. And I'd imagine, uh, you know, it's hard to say whether people's prices are going to go up. I know that people like, you know, uh, Live Nation and such have already across the board said that they're decreasing everyone by 20%, you know? So there's already this sort of on a corporate level saying, hey, shit's gotten hard, so don't expect to make what you make when we come back, you know? So I don't know what yeah. the difference is going to be made up there. And hopefully it's not going to be at a small level and a, a band, you know, playing a room like tips, uh, but it's hard to say. Right. But in the meantime, uh, Tipitina's was one of the, was actually the, the first club in, in new Orleans anyway, to, to institute, uh, like a, a really high quality live streaming platform. And you guys introduced, uh, Tipitina's TV. Yeah, well, thanks for saying that. It's true. There is like, I mean, it's a, uh, the production itself is, um, is I think pretty good. You know, I mean, we have like six cameras. We're bringing a jib. It's, there's a full multi-track mix done of the show. So it's not actually live, live. It's usually recorded, you know, a few days before it's going to air. So there's always, there's mm -hmm. been these scrambles of getting mixes and, you know, doing the work and, uh, but yeah, I think it looks good and I think it sounds good. And it's, it's interesting to, you know, sort of go back, you know, and talk about this whole thing with COVID and, and reimagining the business landscape for musicians and for clubs. And in the beginning of this, I was, I was sort of hoping that this would open up new avenues, you know, like make it sort of like, you know, people are, have no problem paying for pay-per-view sports, you know, and maybe this is something that will instigate that sort of, acceptance of paying right. for music and a live streaming show, you know, and, uh, and right. So who knows, hopefully these kinds of things that, that we're doing now could like carry over into post COVID and, 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 you know, and I would love to see something like tips TV turn into an Austin C city limits type scenario where we can keep it going, get the Fuck production yeah. great and keep the sound good. And, uh, you know, and just see it continue. But Yeah. And it, it, it does give you an opportunity to to go worldwide where, you know, it, normally people would have to save up their money and come, uh, you know, fly to New Orleans and stay in a hotel room and, you know, maybe get mugged and to 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 go see a band of Tipitinas. And now you can sit in the comfort of your own home in uh, Indonesia or, yeah. or Australia or somewhere and see, you know, a, a, a high quality production from the legendary Tipitina. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, it's just people, um, people right now also, they want to be supportive of musicians. They want to be supportive of bands. So they're willing to pay and hopefully that'll continue, you know, because it's, it's like this music being free shit is got to end, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. How yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, a bunch of other clubs are jumping on the bandwagon. I saw, you know, uh, Maple Leaf is, is, has uh, followed your lead. They have a, a series they're introducing, and uh, DBA is, is uh, getting in on the act. And, and that's good because, you know, look, we had hundreds of clubs in New Orleans operating, and, you know, now we have none. So yeah. there's room in the marketplace for, for several people doing high-quality, uh, you know, platforms yeah. of, of – you know, we all these bands need places to yeah, play. Yeah, and I mean, this is like amazing acts playing at DBA and such. You know, and it's like you said, it's kind of a worldwide yeah. thing. You know, I mean, shit. If like Joe's Pub in New York started offering a pay per view streaming, and you know, there'd be some things there that I would definitely pay for. Some clubs in New York, you know, if it if it became more of the norm, um, I think that yeah, I think that it's, it's a good model. You know, it could totally work. 
And uh, and then I'm sure you still have a lot of production stuff because those wheels are continuing to turn. Everybody understands that, yes, at some point this will be over. And, uh, you know, we, we don't as as hard as it is to plan and and even move forward because it's so much unknown. We still you still have to force yourself to do it. And, and uh, yeah, so you were you were supposed to have a session today. And, and I appreciate you booking this, even though you, you it might have been tough, but uh Fortunately, it got rescheduled. So, yeah, no worries. I mean, it's you know, it's part of it's part of keeping your sanity right now. Uh, at least for me, you know, doing a little work here and there. I've you know, with COVID and my kid, my kid's seven, so and she's oh, nice. doing remote schooling right now. And where does she go to school? She goes to Ecole Bilingue, which is the French school. So she's in Ooh, a nice. French immersion oh. school. And oh yeah, but she's um. She's home. We're keeping her home right now. She's going to go back in a couple of weeks. But uh, this whole stretch, man, really, of all this, this is like this is the longest I've been home in 25 years. And this is, you know, the amount of time. I'm just having one of those experiences right now, being home with my kid where it's, it's amazing and uh, I'm not really having any problems with it. And uh, I feel like it's a special time. But you know, when I do go to the studio and I do do some work, it's it's uh, it feels good. You know, it kind of brings back a little bit of the normalcy. So Ben, going back to LA, where did you go to <laughs> score in LA? I used to go to a place called Fedora. Do you know Fedora? It was off of Pico, and it was a place yeah. where you'd roll in and you would get like you would get like a five dollar, ten dollars a weed, like of sticks and stems wrapped in newspaper. Right. Yeah. That was my spot. Okay. And where do you score here? Uh, I, I get it sent from Colorado, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Yeah, these guys are, are way into it. In fact, I actually uh, visited the, the spot in Colorado that it's probably getting sent from. Yes. And, uh, I understand <laughs> you guys get the royal treatment over there, man. Oh, that's right. You did get to go see my buddy out there, huh? I sure did. Uh, yes, it's quite an operation they have uh, out there, some man. special shit going down there. Oh, geez. Yeah, I can't wait till that happens in Louisiana. Somebody was asking me, uh, uh, oh, is it is that going on in, New in Louisiana now? I was like, no, it's fucking Louisiana. We'll be the last ever. Yeah. But uh, Don't, we have, don't we have some form of medical that got passed that's going to happen in Metairie? Yeah, but I mean, you have to be uh, have terminal cancer to, to get on the, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly, but. Well, we can fake it. We can fake it. Yeah. <laughs> get a doctor with a good writing arm manny where do you score uh if i tell you i have to kill you man <laughs> <laughs> you got a guy i know you got a guy i have many guys <laughs> and a couple of gals too uh, you know okay. and they're all good and you know after this broadcast i'll, I'll touch base <laughs> with you so, but, uh, i just can't put it out there now i like you know it's easier sure, sure. with this what you know the digital weed as i call it uh you know those like cartridges and the oils and the extracts and stuff it makes it way easier for oh, you know what ben i have bad news for e-cigarette users yeah you look fucking stupid <laughs> what about what about e-weed users uh, I, I don't know i it doesn't you know uh, i have a, a couple sisters who are in the medical profession mm -hmm. and they both tell me it's like just smoke the real stuff, like the old school way. They just say, smoke it the old school way. Yeah. That's what they tell me. You yeah. Because we, we have a, a, a couple of uh, ex-guests who are e-cigarette users, 
and they swear by him, but you look fucking stupid, man. <laughs> you know? Man, I've been on the Nicorette now for about two years. So. Oh, really? Yeah. You still can't quit? Yeah, no, I really like the Nicorette. I ain't going to lie. I mean, I hear you, man. Me too. I've been on it for like 15 Nicorette, years. Nicorette, really? Yeah, yeah, the lozenges, the you know, lozenges, it's because, uh, yeah. you know, at least I used to not be able to walk upstairs and talk on the phone at the same time. And so the, the you know, that's it's really not the nicotine that's killing you. It's the carbon monoxide. Yeah. yeah. So good for you. Well, that must have been hard smoking and playing saxophone, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, people always ask me that, but I never really seem to have a problem with it. All right. Okay. Right I on. guess, I, yeah, I never had anything to say for that long or something, you know, or... <laughs> Yeah. I don't yeah. Know, or I just been lucky. Okay. Well, yeah. Get out while the getting's good. Yeah. Well, so, uh, you know, we're kind of wrapping up the, the tail end of the podcast here, Ben. Um, it's been so great having you on. You have uh, final uh, thoughts of the future here. I know we're, we're, we're optimistic. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're each trying to, to manage our emotions day to day. That's what I find at this stage of, you know, six months in that uh, no matter what your particular situation is, even if like Manny, you still have a job, your wife still has her job, everything's pretty much the same, but everyone you're encountering is at 95% stress capacity already. So, you know, we, we all have such a very slim amount of headroom that uh, you know, it's it takes it's it's kind of like post Katrina, but for the entire world, yeah. you know. So we're all, it's it's tough. So when you say talk about going into the studio, that's one of those things that can give you that kind of uh, charge, that kind of uh, you know endorphin release that makes everything okay. It can carry you through the next week, you know, because that felt normal and that felt healthy. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's just like learning to enjoy the situation that you might be in and make the most of it, you know, because there's, there could, you could, there could be a lot of positives out of it as well. You know, I mean, if you have your health, that is, of course, um, that aside, you know, uh, people. Have you been tested, Ben? Have I been for COVID? Yeah. Yeah, a few times. Oh, really? I keep a really tight pod right now. Uh, We have have some neighbors who we're very tight with that we sort of co-mingle with and that's about it so you know out of respect for my my tight pod i'm 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 pretty pretty strict about it and stay you know stay masked you know there's an eclipse coming up in a few days all right huh solar or uh, lunar i have no idea okay (laughs) well it's one or the other i'm pretty sure (laughs) i guess we got a 50 50 chance of uh, whatever you say i don't know Right, right. Well, um, Ben, thank you so much. Manny, yeah. uh, it feels like a podcast to you. Yeah, but have I said this joke to you, Renee? I don't know. Tell me. I'll let you know. Uh, maybe I've said it to you. I have no idea. Well, Ben hasn't heard it, so. Uh, Hit me. Words can't describe your beauty, Renee, but numbers can. You're a four. <laughs> <laughs> okay well that's kind of a that's uh that, that's higher than i was expecting you were gonna say manny so i'm gonna i'm gonna take that as a as a as a win it's gonna be a put that in the win column hey ben yo you ever been to tito's tacos holy shit i'm glad you dropped that uh, it's my favorite place in los angeles i love that okay. and one time i brought my band there and i was so excited 
to bring them there and for them to enjoy it. And man, they just didn't fucking get it. And they're like, they don't get it. They didn't get it. And I dream of it. I dream of it. I grew up on it. <laughs> I have a, a cup in my living room. I stole, Last time I was there, I took one of their cups, and it's on display in my living room. Love that place, man. Yeah, well, I love that place too. But what I love more than Tito's Tacos, I love the burritos more than yeah, the tacos. I know exactly. Yeah, it's just there's nothing in it but that stewed meat kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's the mm, best I love ever, it, man. Love it. it so listen, let's uh, let's go there soon. Or maybe they'll ship us something. I don't know. You know, everything's online now. Yeah. Um, but you've been a fabulous person, Ben. Thank and, you. And uh, I'm going to say good night now. All right. Good night. Well, so everybody, uh, go check out uh, you know Galactic, the most recent record, uh, already ready, already. Yeah. It's, uh, terrific record man and uh yeah thank you so much ben and uh as always in the troubled men podcast we say uh trouble never ends but the struggle continues good night good night